Imagine if you knew the secrets of how to get valuable eyes on your content and how to land at the top of Google. What kind of effect would that have on your business? I am so excited this week to talk to my guest, Georgia Austin. She's the founder of Wizard of Content. And I'm a firm believer that the power of content is amazing. And Georgia is an expert in making compelling content that speaks to your audience. She'll be sharing practical and actionable advice on how to reach customers and what tools you can use to create incredible content. She's also going to be sharing her journey about how she went from just being a freelancer on Fiverr to running a 75-person business in under two years. I hope you enjoy the show. I'm a founder and people are always telling me all the time that I need to have a, a better content strategy and do more content marketing. I'll be honest with you, I don't really know what that means. Um, you are someone who has obviously been very successful at that. Uh, we'll talk about the how you went from being a freelancer on Fiverr to running a sensational business in a minute. That's really interesting. But first of all, tell me, what does that even mean, content marketing? So content marketing is a specific form of marketing that includes things like blogs, ebooks, guides, uh, social media posts, and anything like that that creates community with your audience and allows you to build authority as a brand and most importantly, create relationships with your prospects. So unlike paid marketing, this is a specific type of marketing that really allows you to build on relationships and create a genuine connection with your audience. So they essentially understand who you are as a, as a person if your brand was a person. Okay, that makes absolute sense. And I get why you'd want to do that because paid marketing is expensive and well, it's very targeted, but it's, it doesn't really build and it sort of remains the same cost throughout. I'm mm -hmm. sure with content, you can just build more and more of it and improve yeah. your authority and your reach. But what should I be talking about? Like, how, I mean, like, is it like, yeah, what do I even talk about? How do I figure out, like, I guess the question is, what is good content and what is just content for the sake of content? Well, I mean, that's quite a subjective thing to everyone. But the most important thing is you have to consider who you are speaking to. So most brands, when they go through something like a branding exercise or, you know, when they're building their brand from the beginning, they'll come up with things like buyer personas. So perhaps you'll have three different buyer personas. So that will be a different kind of buyer or customer of yours that you're speaking to. Um, so, for example, if you have uh, a real estate business, you'll have to think of content that, you know, targets a few different buyer personas. So maybe that's a buyer and a seller and, you know, a third one. Um, you know, everyone has different buyer personas at the end of the day. So if you're in real estate, you might think of things like uh, market trends or you might think of posting a blog like 10 tips to sell your home fast or uh, where are the best places to live in London and, you know, things that build community. And most importantly, you have to think about the things that people are searching for online. This is where SEO comes into play. Um, and you can not only dish out content that is very valuable, targeted to your audience, but people will be able to find it when they go onto Google because, you know, somebody might be typing something in like, um, where is the best place to live in London? So you would upload a blog that says, yeah, what I said earlier, you know, about the title, um, where are the best places to live in London? So that's kind of how it is pulled together. That makes sense. And I think like that for me is like, is, is, it's always the dream. Everyone wants to be at the top of Google, right? And yeah. if you can do it without paying for it, that's, that's incredible, exactly. especially for a startup. So if I'm writing an article right now and I want to I wanna improve my SEO, I want to mm -hmm. get that article up there because I'm assuming there's part of it where like I can just create a ton of stuff and then put it out there and that's going to push me up, right? Yeah. Or 
Alternatively, I want to write something that is just going to perform really well. Mm -hmm. uh, for those people listening who don't know what SEO is, you should, but that's search engine optimization. That basically means the better it is, the further up the list you are, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but I've never gone to page two of Google search for oh, okay. anything ever if like it's like anything in it's always front page what things can i do as a if i was to start writing content because not everyone at the beginning can afford to pay for it and they're mm -hmm. writing their own stuff what can they do to try and improve that seo so seo can be quite complex but you know you'll have more technical seo which is things like your website design and your uh and your page load speed and more technical things like that, and you know, the user experience that contributes to your SEO and you know actually your positioning on on Google. But then you have the SEO content marketing, which is where you'll be posting, you know, uh, you know, two to four blogs per week to show Google that you're active on your website, and then Google will pick up and crawl your blog, your blog on your website for those individual articles that you're posting, uh, and it'll be able to pick that up and put you on you know page one of google or page two of google but essentially the more you post the higher your chances are to rank um, and this is not just any content you have to strategically write these blogs in a way that you're not this is a, a common mistake actually that people make when they write their own content and not use a content marketing agency for example they will insert keywords when actually you need to integrate keywords it's, it's different because integration is where you're making you know a keyword a, a search term flow seamlessly into the content that you're writing not just adding it in for the sake of it and this is actually a term called keyword stuffing um and that's where you're you're literally just adding in keywords randomly just to have them there and google will actually penalize you if you keyword stuff because it it's not it's not stupid it can tell that you're just adding it in there for the sake of it so you can rank and that is actually quite the opposite you'll be harming your seo potential by keyword stuffing so it's important to be strategic when integrating keywords into your content i love that and so i'm listening to this and i'm thinking okay i'm just gonna make a ton of content because that's that's a good strategy the question is though tell me about how do i figure out the balance between uh like quality and quantity mm -hmm. so like if you're on like Twitter, you get some people just spamming it all the yeah. time and it seems to work for them. But you get yeah. other people who just post something once a week and then it will just kick off. Yeah. Like what is the what is the right balance? How often should I be putting stuff out there as a rule of thumb? A rule of thumb, I would say um about four if, if you really want to take it seriously, I would say four blogs, if if we're just speaking about blogs, four blogs per week, I would say is a great baseline to have. So I can't remember what the actual statistic was, but I think, uh, you know, something like 40 to 60% of, of companies who take SEO content marketing seriously, they'll be posting roughly 16 blogs per month. And that puts you in the best stance to rank on Google. Amazing. That's a really good stat. Fuck, for a week. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. I better start writing. Okay. You said, I'm going to sound a bit stupid here because you said something earlier, which, um, look, you said the content marketing is great for building community. And I, I really struggle with the term community. I can't really describe it without using the word community, but I know it's important. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, my understanding is it's someone, a group of people engaging on a specific subject. You know, they're unified by that, that particular cause. Now, if I'm just writing content, if I'm putting out an article, and I, I publish a lot of stuff on Medium, and I don't get much engagement. Occasionally, someone will put on there and be like, hey, Tom, great article. Yeah, and they are always Americans. So that's a good <laughs> accent. But the, but the question is, like, how do I encourage people to engage with my content so mm -hmm. I can build a community rather than just build an audience? 
Well, honestly, the the trick is to just keep posting on loads of different platforms. So something that um, other companies are doing these days is thinking of other channels that they can communicate with their audience because you know not everyone at the at the end of the day not everybody is on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter you know there's a lot of people who use these platforms but some people now are looking into platforms like Reddit or Pinterest um Pinterest is actually a really good channel where you can publish like a a graphic of you know with the the title of your blog post on and people will click on there and they'll see your blog so the idea is really to enhance your digital footprint. Um, so if you post a blog, then you can share it on LinkedIn, share it on Reddit, on Pinterest, and think of different avenues that you can go down to find your prospects. And yeah, you might be surprised. It's not necessarily always in the same place that you are posting. So I guess my advice to somebody would be don't put all your eggs in one basket. Think of the different channels that you can post on to reach your target customers. Amazing. Now, look, I'm going to spin off slightly here, go off piste, because I, you're an expert in SEO and content marketing. Fact. And you are giving us a lot of wisdom here and I'm enjoying it. But you are also someone who has amazingly taken a side hustle, a freelance and turned it into a full-time gig. Okay. Um, Anyone's listening, there's a great article in the Daily Express about how incredible this woman is. So, and I'll put it in the, the show notes. Now, Tell me about this. So you, when did you decide that you wanted to become, when did you start doing freelance copywriting? I started freelancing when I was still working. I used to work for Sweaty Betty as a copywriter. Okay. And I started freelancing. Um, actually, it wasn't necessarily a copywriting role. I was doing some freelance market research stuff with a company in New York. Um, and then from there, I decided to branch out and expand my my freelance services. So I ended up applying to a content, another content agency called Quill. I'm not sure if you've heard of them before, but um, I started doing some freelance work for them. And through them, I was able to work with brands like Nike and Under Armour, um, eBay and a few other amazing companies. So that was really my first taste of freelance writing. And I thought I've spoken to a lot of other freelance people, you know, in the past year or so. And almost all of them have said, once you leave your full time job, or you know something that's taking up a lot of your time that's not necessarily what you want to be doing that's when you're going to find all these clients so you need to just take the leap and free up your time in order to have space to find and take on new clients so my idea was to have at least one or two clients under my belt in order to leave my full-time job and go freelance and it was so true you know after that I created a Fiverr profile and then I was kind of doing it a bit informally I had maybe had like two two I had two gigs and maybe a couple of people purchased those services per month and it was nothing very serious I think I made like two thousand dollars in three months or something like that you know I wasn't Fiverr Pro at this point either um, and then I applied to Fiverr Pro and funnily enough the same day I got accepted to Fiverr Pro was the day that I got offered a position to be a marketing manager for a company in New York and uh, for me this was like the first senior position I'd have in New York and I thought you know maybe this is an awesome opportunity for me to relocate or you know it was just a yeah. really good opportunity for me that I didn't want to give up and it was more secure at the time and my freelancing hadn't picked up enough picked up enough for me to you know stay doing that so I decided to go for the marketing position and I did that for about nine months and unfortunately the company went under I think they're still okay now, but they, they had a bit of a rough, a rough ride around Christmas of 
2020 or something. Um, and then after that, I decided to turn my Fiverr Pro back on and it just blew up. So I think, you know, I started in the first month and I did like uh, maybe like two grand and then the next month was eight grand and then it was 20, then 40 and it was just tripling and tripling or doubling, whatever, every month. Um, and the best month we had, I think it was in November, we did a hundred grand and it was, you know, this is all within nine months is that I started turning on my Fiverr profile and it's just absolutely insane. Like the growth that we've had and this is just the Fiverr sales, you know, this is not including Wizard of Content sales. So that's really how my freelance journey started. And obviously it's come into owning a, a full blown content marketing agency. And that's our focus now. Fiverr is just a, a you know a revenue stream for us, which we we're still using and it still works well for us. Um, but now our, our focus is on Wizard of Content as the actual agency. Well, okay, I mean, amazing, right? So, like, let's uh, let's dig into some of this because that was a whirlwind, but I loved it. Um, okay. In the current climate, marketing is hard, but do you know what isn't hard? Making sure you never miss an episode of your favorite podcast. So tap the follow button on your podcast and you'll never miss out on the latest episodes of Unicorny or Marketing Difference. You can even go back and listen to our back catalogue of amazing episodes. If you do that, please leave us a review. It would mean so much. So how did you... So you you get off this job in, in New York, okay? And... um you decided you kind of wanted to go freelance, kind of would do your thing. But then you, what was it about? It's frightening to go out on your own. Okay. And you were forced in the end because the company went bust, right? Yeah. So you'd be like, oh shit, I've got to pay rent, <laughs> right? Um, so do you think, but did you think if you were, I don't know, like if you had complete financial stability before that had happened, would you have taken the job still? Or would you have just gone the freelance route? Um, did you think it was stability that was making you do it or do you think it was the glamour of being in New York or I think it like was what the was the latter okay the yeah, latter. Nice, yeah yeah I know I I do like you know the feeling of like having a job in New York and it's, yeah, it's yeah, just something I'd always envisioned yeah. because I think my personality is very well suited to the US you know like you know being an all-star and always being busy like I, I'm a very busy person I, I get anxiety when I'm not doing anything or I don't have anything to do as everyone should as everyone should you yeah. know I, I love being productive like that's yeah. what gives me energy like doing stuff um so yeah to, to answer your question it, it was the latter I I I really wanted you know to have a, a stable salary and to be able to work in New York or well, not necessarily in New York I was working freelance in Brazil at the time so okay. I didn't even go to New York because this was in the pandemic so I didn't really get the uh yeah, the New York yeah, the Manhattan lifestyle yeah, yeah. I was anticipating but yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice nice I am um, I lived in Manhattan and I can tell you that that oh, okay. Manhattan lifestyle is largely just either being too hot or too cold because uh. that cut city is just not designed for any form of weather no. other than slightly tepid um that's it <laughs> okay so okay so you because it's something that I think a lot of people can resonate with and I think people will be encouraged by what you're saying, because it is a incredibly daunting thing to say, I'm going to go and rate, do this myself, especially on something as massive as Fiverr. Like we use Fiverr now and we're a well-established business and looking at it, there is so much noise on there and so forth. So how did you possibly, because it's like, it's like the freelance mecca, you know, it really is. But how did you possibly differentiate yourself from everyone else? How, why were people coming to you rather than anyone else? I mean, it's really hard to say. And I think it's probably, I, I think a lot of it is luck. Um, but I also think it's really important to have a, you know, a good gig image. Maybe that's why people contacted me, you know, having a clear photo of you looking at the camera, smiling. So, you know, people create trust and 
your your image is an instant source of trust for people. So if you create a Fiverr profile and you, and you make your gig image on like clip art or something, <laughs> that's not really going to put you in the best chances of getting your first yeah. purchase. Um, so yeah, having a good gig image, you know, looking at the camera and clear a clear gig description and and title on your image, like website content writer or something. And I think that's a great opportunity for you to get good sales. And so now let's talk about that transition. So you you ended up getting, look, you cannot have done twenty grand's worth of work yourself a month. Mm. Okay, so you must have been like hustling with other people straight away. So what were you doing? Were you finding other like people who were like other people on Fiverr to try and do the work for you because you were just becoming like, um, I guess like a sales funnel for those people. Yeah. So actually it was only recently that I pretty much stopped writing. So the first two months of me having a Fiverr profile, I did it all myself and I was working like 15 hour days. It, I was, I did burn out by the end of it. It was absolutely mentally and physically draining, but you know, it's paid off. Hard work pays off. Um, so I think it was in month three where I looked for new hires on Indeed. I also found people on Fiverr. So it was really a mixture of both. Um, and yeah, now the team is 65 of us. So yeah, so that's a big team we have. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All Six... freelancers, not full-timers. <laughs> I s- still, I'm, I'm impressed. How many people have you got there full-time? Um, so two actual full-time employees, but um, you know, one's an editor who's part-time and then everyone else is freelance. So the writers full-time as we have seven full-time writers and then everyone else is kind of like you know they do two pieces a day or one piece a day or three pieces a week it, honestly the 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 number of pieces people do changes all the time um and that's something i make clear to people when onboarding them and posting on the job listing mm. and that's something that's really attractive to people because I, I make it clear that i don't care if you come and do five pieces of content for me and then never speak to me for two months like I know that you have other commitments. I know you have other opportunities that you might want to take. Like do a few pieces of content, leave, come back, whatever. Like the schedule is down to you. Uh, just let me know in advance and then you're good to go. And come back whenever. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So, and then you, when did you decide to make the leap and create Wizard of Content? So you wanted to, you decided that Fiverr wasn't the right channel or is a channel. You decided you want to go full service content marketing yourself. Fiverr is still a channel for us, but it's it's kind of the the channel that's keeping everything ticking along, yeah. you know. But our focus now is the actual agency itself, and I, I do see a long term vision as you know expanding into a more of a communications agency where we cover a few different types of marketing and communications. So that that's probably the long term goal. Yeah. Amazing. So across that time that you've been doing that, tell me what are like what are those key lessons? What are like the key three lessons that you've learned? Because you've gone from end of 2020 to losing your job because the company hasn't worked out to 2022 and you're running a 75 person business and you're absolutely smashing it like what are the key lessons that you've learned over that time um i think organization i've always been quite an organized person but you know this is like organization on a whole new level when you're delivering over 500 pieces of content per month um and part of that you know i i have to thank my COO who has been amazing, you know, using good technology to be able to organize and manage everything effectively. Um, being a being a good boss is one of the biggest things I've learned in 2021, how to manage people. What does that mean? What does that mean to be a good boss? It's Help very me. subjective. It's a very subjective thing. But some, the main thing that I've learned is giving people freedom. And that's when you get the best results. So, you know, not 
giving people set working hours and you know just giving people the flexibility and the freedom to still do what they're expected to do um but you know not everything is the same for everyone people work differently and and that's okay and I can I, I could I used to be quite bossy and I would like expect people to do things the way I do it and that's not going to work and you know you fall into some kind of disputes and and bickery arguments with people when you have clear like I know it's good to have clear expectations but when you like enforce the way that you want to work on somebody it's just not going to work like giving people freedom is something that I've really learned this year in last year <laughs> nice I like yeah. that I like that a lot so if I'm writing a piece of content now I I struggle with this all the time I think a lot of people can relate to this is that if I send an email to someone okay I always wonder like what kind of tone of voice should I have because I always think if I over-formalize something, I'm creating a disparity with that person. I'm saying you are more important than me. Therefore, I'm going to speak to you in this way. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's always healthy in business. I think mm-hmm. if you are asking someone to invest, they should be a peer. You're giving them an opportunity. Exactly. But just because they've got money doesn't mean they're better than you. You've got a great business, which is going to make them a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So like, I believe there should be a, a, a relaxed tone to that, to that email chain. Um, but when you're writing copy for the masses, how should I decide like what tone I should be taking and how I should be writing it? Should I be writing it as an essay or should I be writing it as, mm-hmm. I don't know, a comedy piece? Like, what should I be doing? The most important thing is to remember who, as I mentioned earlier, I was talking about by personas. So remember who you are speaking to and don't deviate too far away from that. So, you know, if you have like a trying to think of an example of a brand but if, if say if your target market is 16 to 24 year olds you're not going to speak in a formal tone of voice like you need to stay true to who you are as a brand and remember who you're speaking to and you should be unapologetic about that in my opinion like you know stay true to who you are speak in the tone that you would speak to to your target customers and I don't necessarily think you should formalize your email to somebody if they're just going to invest in your company I completely agree with you like we're all people at the end of the day like I don't like this corporate culture. I think that's something that I'm really passionate about. In my company especially, I've banned the signature best. I'm not I'm not allowing anyone to sign off with best Georgia or best Amanda, like whoever. Um I'm trying to get like move far away from the corporate culture and and even speaking to people in a corporate tone. I, I don't think that's necessary unless your business is in that field you know if it's appropriate to speak that way you're a solicitor exactly exactly like it works differently for everyone just depends who you are and what your brand speaks like yeah i completely agree with that so do you think along that line so look this is um probably a big one i think i know what your answer is going to be we um like um ai writing is pretty big like it's becoming bigger and you can tell like when you're yeah, like chatbots are incredible and occasionally you'll see an article or a tweet and you'll be like, well, I don't know if that was written by a human. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you come across that and do you think that that is going to become bigger? Do you think it might replace you guys? I, I know things can change a lot. You know, maybe my opinion in 10 years time will be different to what I'm saying now. It is really hard to tell. But as far as I'm concerned at this moment, I don't think AI can replace the human twang and of, of, of humans, you know? yeah. We speak in a colloquial way, and I don't think that's something that AI can ever do, really. Yeah. And from all the people I know who've used AI tools before, they've just said it's an absolute nightmare, and it just they pull random pieces of information together, and it actually ends up being more work to edit it than if you were just to write it yourself from scratch. So I personally steer very clear away from that. And 
yeah, at this present moment, I don't think that's going to be an issue. I, I agree with you, Ty. I think like I always think that the best writing is the ones is writing that uses the wrong words. So like mm. if someone says, "Oh, this investment opportunity is delicious," yeah, yeah, do you know exactly. what I mean? Like it's like you would <laughs> yeah. never get that from the AI. They're like, "This investment opportunity is incredibly appealing." Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like you yeah, get that. Exactly. That's fine, but like you would, yeah, and I think it's it's more captivating if it's in a different tone. Exactly. So I, I yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that. All right, okay. So you, say we've met for the first time, and I'm like, look. You oracle of content wisdom, okay? <laughs> and we're in a convent somewhere and you're, you're there on a throne. I don't know why you're thrown in a <laughs> convent, but we we'll say you are. And I say to you, look, give me three nuggets of information. Give me three things to take away that I'm going to tell the rest of the world about how to become amazing at content marketing. Mm -hmm. What would they be? I would say the first would be have a content plan. Make sure that you have outlined topics, the key topics that you're going to be speaking about. Um, and how many pieces of content roughly you aim to deliver per week or per month and stick to that because consistency is key when it comes to content marketing. Great. That's <laughs> a good first one. What about the other two? <laughs> um, second would be know your market. Do the right competitor research so you know where your brand fits in amongst everyone else and how you can be different. Um, and the third would be, again, you know, know your buyer personas and know exactly who you're speaking to because if you're not speaking to the right people, then you're going to be posting content online and you're going to bring in unqualified traffic. So you're going to be bringing in people to your website that are reading content that's not relatable to what your service is. So you're going to be bringing in traffic to the website, but nobody's going to convert and that's not going to be great for you guys. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree. Great. <laughs> I, want to, I want to write some content. Okay, like last bit of the show. Um, so you, we ask everyone of this. Like the startup world is full of awful things as well as great things, obviously. Um, what is one thing that you would chuck in the startup sin bin? Just get rid of it. I think it has to be uh, just general corporate culture. <laughs> That's something that Give I- Give an example of what that is. Again, I think it's just like being overly formal with people. And again, I know this just depends on what kind of industry you're in. Like if you're in finance, then it, obviously it's appropriate. But if you're in, you know, if you're in a marketing agency or something that's a bit more kind of innovative and forward thinking, I think just- just be people like, you know, treat people nicely, treat them like your friends. Like, you know, we're all human at the end of the day. So I think I would just ditch general corporate culture. All right. I'll take that. I hate HR. Get that Great. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been amazing. Thank you for having me.